Welcome to the Purposed Marriage Podcast. If you are in a marriage that is damaged, broken, and think all hope is lost, we invite you to listen in to today's broadcast. We pray that through this ministry, you will find biblical encouragement and instruction that will lead you and your spouse, no matter the heart condition, to a closer walk and fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. God can and does heal marriages, no matter how desperate or impossible the circumstances may appear to be. And now, here is today's episode. And hello, welcome to another edition of the Purposed Marriage Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Larson. With me, as always, is my wife, Amy Larson. Amy, say hello. Hello. We are broadcasting live from our upstairs bedroom today because we sort of got kicked out of our front porch uh, not by any one, but because of noise. Uh, it's finally cooled down here a little bit in East Tennessee. Uh, it, it had been, what, in the 90s for, it seemed <laughs> it like, was, months? Yeah, yeah it was right. in the 90s up right. until last week. Right, and so a lot of the leaves have fallen. They've, they've changed color and they've dropped from the trees. And uh, it's actually really nice today, upper 60s, low 70s. And we, we got the idea to have the podcast on the porch, but... Uh, I think a lot of other people had the idea to do yard work today. And so there was a lot of uh, leaf blowers that could be heard. And so we, we retreated up here so that we wouldn't put you through that added noise <laughs> yes. today. Yeah. Well, uh, before we begin the episode for today, we want to talk about something that our ministry has experienced here within the past few weeks. And that was that we were uh, privileged to be able to uh, share with Charlene Steinkamp of Rejoice Marriage Ministries. We had an interview uh, with Charlene and her daughter Lori a few weeks ago, and uh, they they put it on the podcast that they put out there, uh, and it has been very well received. Uh, our our testimony and our story of restoration, and we sort of want to give a shout out to to that team uh, just for taking the time to interview us. I know it's generated a lot of traffic to our site, and it was just a wonderful experience. Uh, both uh, Charlene and, and Lori are um, certainly uh, wonderful people. They have a, a, a wonderful ministry. They have a real heart for uh, people in struggling marriages, and it was I was tickled to be able to talk with them, having been in a position years ago where I was actually listening to their broadcasts just for encouragement as I was experiencing my time in the valley. Uh, Amy, what was, how, how do you rate your experience with dealing with them? Oh, I thought it was wonderful. They're both lovely ladies, and um, they just have such a passion for ministry and a true heart for those in broken marriages. Um, and they, they love people genuinely. They pray for them. And it was just really encouraging to speak with them and to thank them um, even though we weren't live, I mean, we saw them, uh, so we could, we could thank them in person for their ministry and how it ministered to Tommy during his stand. And, um, I'm just so thankful that God has brought it full circle for us. Yes, indeed he has. And, uh, one of the things I really appreciated about Rejoice Marriage Ministries was the content that they put out on a regular basis. I knew that Say on Saturdays, I could expect a, a newsletter or an email, or I think once a month they were doing uh, Rejoice Pompano meetings. Uh, and those were things that I could actually look forward to. 
so if I was getting a little bit down, I knew that, well, there's some good content coming that's <laughs> going to help lift me up. And so that's, that's sort of inspired us a little bit here, uh, and that is to really be renewed in our focus of being intentional and deliberate about getting content out there from our ministry. Uh, we've, we've decided that we're going to try to, starting out, uh, do a podcast every two weeks. On Saturdays, we'll be releasing those. Uh, we'll have a blog entry that will be released on Tuesdays of every week. And then in addition to that, Amy will be doing inspirational graphics that will be released, I think, only on Instagram. Uh, Instagram uh, and Facebook. And, and Facebook. Yeah, Bookface on Thursdays. <laughs> right. So uh, for those of you who are listening, who are following us, uh, you can mark it down. We're going to do our best to push out that content on a regular basis. And if you know of anyone who is uh, struggling in their marriage, uh, who could use some uh, help along the way, hopefully that's what we're providing here, biblical help uh, and support, uh, share, share our website with them. Uh, we do this uh, not so that we can hear ourselves, but so that it'll be a benefit to people who, who need the encouragement. All right, so we want to encourage you all to do that. Well, that leads us to uh, today's podcast episode, which is Turning the Other Cheek. Uh, our verse that we're basing this on is Matthew 5, 38 through 40. I'll go ahead and read it. It's from the English Standard Version. You have heard it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. Amy, my question to you, how does Matthew 5, what we just read, Matthew 5, 38 through 40, contrast with the way most respond to others who have wronged them? Oh, it's completely different from how most respond. Uh, most respond in anger. I know oftentimes I responded in anger and, um, you know, I think fleshly, the fleshly side of, of us, we just lash out and we want to be louder and we want to be heard and we want to get the last word. And that is complete opposite of what the Bible has to say. Do you sort of feel like it's, it's a defense mechanism that automatically kicks in whenever someone does something to hurt us? That oh, we need to uh, instantly retaliate? Absolutely, yeah. I think that we try to, you know, even though God tells us that vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I think that we, you know, often take that into our own hands and we want to seek vengeance on the person, um, make them pay for how they've treated us. We want them to feel the same way that we've felt when we've been wronged and we've been hurt. And so I think, yeah, automatically we, we act out that way. Um, and really what we want to do is to abide by Proverbs 15, 1, which says, A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. And so I think that, you know, oftentimes if we just pause and take a moment and consider our words, consider if it's going to help or hurt our cause, um, that cause being restoration. Um, I think that a lot of our actions and our words would change dramatically. Well, I think too, if we, 
if we start to understand a little bit that, not, not in all cases, but um, what comes out of the mouths of our husbands or our wives in a heated exchange uh, might be stemming from some real hurt that has taken place oh, right. in, in their own heart and in their own life. Uh, you know, it, it was when I was starting to see uh, a lot of the anger coming from Amy when we were uh, headed towards divorce, separation, and then divorce. I, w- I was feeling that, you know, the Lord was sort of speaking to my heart that, you know, this anger is coming from a place. Uh, and it's it's coming from a deep hurt that is a woundedness, right. you know, that was inside of you, and it it really caused me to. The Lord really uh, showed a lot and extended a lot of grace towards me because He helped He helped me during that time understand and to look at you more with um, compassion, and that and that made it easier. Not at least for me at the time, not to respond. The more I matured in my walk and relationship with the Lord, not to respond in anger to some of the Back things that you were doing. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, but rather with love and understanding because I I knew and I acknowledged that there was underneath um, all of that, what I was seeing, there was somebody who was deeply hurting. Yeah. And I think that's often the case. Those that hurt others are often those that are hurting the most. And, um, you know, nine times out of ten, it's because they haven't taken that hurt to the Lord and they haven't placed that hurt in the right, um, it, they haven't directed it in the right place. And so instead of taking it to the Lord and instead of, um, you know, seeking out biblical answers and, and strategies that are laid out in Scripture, we instead use our words to lash out. We don't know others. we don't know how to handle those emotions. Right. And what to do with them. Yeah. If we're not grounded in the word. Exactly. Right. Uh, taking every thought captive. Right. That includes the thoughts that would tend to put us in a situation where we wallowed in misery or sadness. Right. Right. And and if we dwell on those thoughts, those can take us to a place of anger and um, rage. And vengeance and bitterness. Mm -hmm. That's right. Well, in the context of standing for one's marriage, how important do you see the role of turning the other cheek uh, as it relates to the process of reconciliation? Because this whole idea of turning the other cheek, even amongst some Christians... uh, That's not popular. (laughs) It's it's not popular, and I've known some Christians who don't like warming up to that idea. Right. Well, I mean, I think... You have to be intentional about seeking out how to be kind. You have to be intentional about turning the other cheek and seeing what exactly does that mean. Um, And I think, like I said before, a lot of that is taking a moment, not responding just immediately, taking a moment, saying a prayer to yourself, um, seeing things from their point of view, and maybe thinking of a way that you can respond that is very loving um, and that isn't hurtful. Because it's really hard to respond to someone 
Um, when you're angry, if the person you're angry at and you're lashing out at, if they respond in kindness and they respond soft-spoken and they are not following your lead and becoming angry and becoming louder and they're just, you know, a, a little more quiet and a, a, a lot more loving, um, I, I really think that that makes a huge difference. Uh, you're absolutely right about that. The verse that one of the verses that comes to mind regarding what you just said is Romans twelve twenty. Uh, to the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For for by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Now I didn't have the best understanding of that verse uh, for the longest time. Uh, I read in a commentary recently. I'll just go ahead and uh, read that to you and to our listeners. The whole idea of burning coals heaped on a man's head. And you may already know this. Uh, according to the commentary, burning coals heaped on a man's head would be expressive of intense agony. I mean, that, that's certainly true. If you had coals on your oh, head, yeah. that would be very painful. <laughs> right. right. So the apostle says that the effect of doing good to an enemy would be to produce pain. But the pain will result from shame, remorse of conscience, a conviction of the evil of his conduct, and an apprehensive, an apprehension of divine displeasure that may lead to repentance. Right. So basically, it's it's a mechanism, if used properly, that might lead to conviction. Right. And remorse. Right. Um, right. And more than anything, if you know, for most of our listeners, they are seeking out restoration in their marriages. And so a lot of times it's so important to keep in mind that if you truly are seeking restoration, how you respond to someone um, can make all the difference in the world. And you want the person that you love to return to your marriage, to return to God. And in doing so, what? No, I'm 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 agreeing. I'm I'm as you're talking. <laughs> Sorry, I was like... No, that's okay. I I was shaking my head here, and she was thinking I was disagreeing agreeing with her. No, you're absolutely right. I was just thinking of uh, the fact that what you're saying is true, and how when we don't practice that, yeah, we can have some some bad things happen. Yeah. Well, yeah. and and really, I mean, you want that person to turn their life and their heart back to God. You want that person to find restoration and repentance for the wrongs. You know, you don't want to just spend all your time shaming them for everything they've done because that's probably going to turn them away. But if you return anger, uh, their, you know, their anger, and you return it in kindness and in love, um, it, it's very hard to stay angry with someone if they're returning um, if they're turning away wrath with yeah. a soft word. Yeah. Uh, the, the further into our separation and eventual divorce, I became better at practicing what you just mentioned there uh, because the Holy Spirit and the Lord was empowering me to do so. Early on, it wasn't like that <laughs> as much. I was responding uh, with anger, uh, of my own. And, and, you know, unfortunately, that was one of the things that sort of fed into Amy's perception at the time. It, it, it justified her actions. 
Yes. Because here I was opposing the marriage and what she was doing and a lot of the things that were coming towards me. And when I would get angry, that only validated the idea that she had of me. And that was an out of control, angry person who could never change. And I knew the Lord was already working in my heart, but uh, what I was expressing at the time wasn't anything that could be described as having grace. Right. right. Well, and also, you know, I, I think it's important to point out that some of the things that Tommy, were, the things that he was angry about, it, it's not that he shouldn't have been angry about them, the way he expressed were, that anger. Yeah, there were legitimate reasons yes. behind that, but yes. it's how I, I was expressing that anger. Right. right. And I, I remember one example right. in particular. And, that, and that's, that's what we're going to talk about here. <laughs> and I would say it was, I'm going to say maybe two months into our separation, would you say? Yeah. Two or three months. Probably about right. Yeah. Well, you go ahead and tell it and I'll... Uh, Oh, I'll fill I'm in the details. The yeah. Um, well, we went to a, uh, it was a carnival at our son's school and it was outdoors. And um, being the kind person that I was, <laughs> I invited Tommy to go more than anything as um, probably an act to show people See, we can be separated, but we can still get along. I mean, it was very much um, all for show. All, you think? Yeah, it was. Uh, it was a lot for show. Now, I will say, I I did know and thought that um, our son would appreciate it, and I did ultimately always want us to continue doing things together. Um, but you know, part of it I think was show, and so anyway. Uh, we, I invited Tommy to go to the carnival. We could all go together. We were going to meet there and enjoy the carnival together. And then of course we would, um, separate and go our separate ways. And it was Tommy's evening to have the boys. Um, so that, I mean that we, we met up there. Um, we were enjoying the evening uh, they, the boys were playing games. They got their faces painted. Outlook, an outsider would look at that picture and say, oh, there's a happy family. Yeah. Maybe a, I Christ, mean, even a Christian family. Right. And uh, most people that saw us knew we were separated. But again, it was, oh, look, that family is separated, but they can still get along and be together, um, you know, appear happy. Uh, but anyway, so by all intents and purposes, we looked happy. Um, it was time to uh, figure out what we were going to eat. And I believe everyone ate, or at least the, I know the boys ate. Um, and Tommy had said uh, he had offered for me to go get something with them. I think just dessert. Yeah. Um, yeah. After you had asked me, I believe, yeah. if I wanted we, to get Because we dessert. ate there at the little festival. We had, had a, I think I had a bologna sandwich. Bologna. It was fried, <laughs> a fried bologna burger or something oh, like that. Oh, funny. Anyway, so yeah. he had asked me to go with him after. Um, and of course, I mean, I already had plans and it was his night with the boys and really the the illusion of happy time in front of everyone was over. 
And so I was ready to part ways and, and be on my, my merry way. I will let you take over. Right. At that, at that point, it was like, all right, I'm going to stop playing family now. I'm going to go do what I want to do. And what I want to do doesn't include you and the boys. Correct. And that really rubbed me the wrong way at that point. Because, I, I mean, I was looking at the situation and just all the while knowing what we're doing is wrong. We should not be getting this divorce. This is ridiculous. Um, and I, I, was, I was really powerless to do anything. And uh, we, we headed back to the car, and I was... You were I, very quiet at first. I, I was very quiet at, at first, but then when we got back to the car and uh, it was time to exchange, I think the boys' stuff were in your car, and then we got that out to put it in... In yours. In, in, in my car. And I'm, I'm thinking, this was at a, a Christian school. Yes, a private... Church park. A private, private Christian, Christian school. school. And people are walking by, and I'm, I'm sort of looking at this, even though I'm in the situation, looking at it from an outsider's perspective, thinking, how horrible is this? You're in a church parking lot, and now you've got a suitcase here, because mommy and daddy can't get along. They can't work it out. They claim to be Christians, Yet this is the path they're taking. They, and I, I was just, I was so, um, just frustrated by everything at that point. And I can't remember exactly what I said, but it was there. Were, there was yelling. People were walking by. <laughs> People were staring. They were staring at us, and it was it, it was got not very heated. Yeah, it was not pretty at all. And the boys, they started crying. Uh, and I, I immediately pointed the finger at you and said, see, you're not capable of controlling yourself. You're as angry as you've always been. So everything that you're, you've ever said about how you're changing and how you've become this man of God, that you're so adamant about how he's changed your life and you are different. All of that immediately went out the window. Right. And I felt like I had completely blown it. In fact, I uh, messaged my pastor uh, that evening when I got back home and essentially said that I, I blew it. And he knew that this was a big night for me. I had built it up in my mind as something that might help turn the tide uh, if, if things went well. And it went the complete, the com- so the complete opposite. <laughs> And I think also at that point, you were still um, really trying to pursue me as your wife or to return home. You you weren't fully pursuing God at that point, I don't believe. Is that accurate? uh, Yeah, I'd say for the most part. uh, I, I wasn't, I hadn't matured nearly enough at that point with my walk uh, with the Lord so that I'd be able to turn the other cheek, to be able to look at that situation I was in and be soft-spoken, understand, all right, the Lord is working. Amy's heart is dark right now. It's not going to do you any good to be yelling and screaming at her at the time. And, and that's, that's the sort of thing that the Lord strengthened and equipped me to do later on not to respond in kind. And it was basically how I responded later was just by 
not saying anything yeah. and just um or if you did it was very soft spoken and loving and I feel like you responded maybe something understanding. like I'm, I'm sorry you feel that way I, yes. I pray things will turn out different something along those lines yeah uh but no it uh, it did not go well that night and the way I responded to Amy uh, by not turning the other cheek um, it only made matters a lot worse uh, and I regretted it uh, but fortunately God was bigger than that and restoration would come a while later so and that was one of the things that my pastor told me he said that uh, nothing that you did tonight is going to prevent or stop God from restoring your marriage right if in fact he wants to do that you are powerless to stop god if he this is his <laughs> right. plan we have no power right. to stand in the way right. of god's plans and I, I think that that is so important to point out to people you know oftentimes they think you don't understand what i've done i've completely blown it or i did this and um you know there there's no hope for me now there's no hope for restoration but with God, we know that all things are possible, and we are living proof that God worked through that that night and um, worked through lots of other times where we struggled to completely restore our marriage. And I think that that, uh, that you know, God does that in His timing, and we so often want things to work out in our own time. Um, but we have to allow God to change our hearts, to mold us into the person that He wants us to be. Um, you know, He's He's challenging, uh, or not challenging, but He is building up our endurance and our um, as we persevere. You know, He wants to build our character, and um, we have to allow God to do that and to know that everything happens in His time and not in ours. Was it challenging to stay angry uh, when the individual to whom your anger was directed, mostly me, refused to engage you with the same expressed anger and demeanor? In other words, if you're angry and you're expressing that anger at someone and you're, it's like you're ready for a fight, you're <laughs> wanting to fight and they're not engaging you, what, how does that affect you? Yeah, I mean, it, it helps tone things down. You can't stay angry at someone if they're not coming back at you. Um, I, and I remember so often, I guess, later in our, you know, once we were divorced, um, that was one thing that struck me that was very different about Tommy because very early on, as he expressed, he would respond in anger. Um, and it would get heated and we would, you know, both just be yelling over top of each other. Um, and then towards the end, you know, there would be times that I would be angry. I would express that anger to him and he would respond similarly to what he said. You know, I'm sorry that you feel that way. I, I pray that you feel differently or, you know, maybe once you've calmed down, we could talk about it. And he said it in a loving way, not you know, once you calm down, maybe we can talk about it. There, there's a very, there's a huge difference in tone. Mm -hmm. There's a huge difference in how you say something. Sometimes it's not what you say, but it's how you say it. And so it was very, very difficult 
to not recognize those patterns of behavior in Tommy that had changed. And I noticed it, you know, more often, um, the further it seemed like, or the longer we had stayed apart, the more I noticed how loving and different his patterns of behavior were. And I think, um, not I think, I know that is the one thing that really made me open my eyes to see that God had truly changed his heart. Which sort of leads me into the next question, and that was, what what is the net effect of interacting with someone who speaks with words of kindness and love instead of anger and pride? Oh, yeah. I mean, you, you start to think about your own actions. Um, you start to think about your own words. Um, and I know for me, over time, it's, you know, I recognized, okay, his, his patterns behavior are loving and kind. So why am I not showing loving and kindness to him? So I think it starts to make you question, why am I so angry at him all the time? Why am I, you know, still seeing him as an enemy? He is not my enemy. He's proven to be a friend. He's proven to be someone who loves me regardless of how I treat him. Well, you knew that the kindness and love, which was rarely expressed during our 10 years of marriage, had to be coming from someplace. Oh, absolutely. It had to be originating from someplace. Yes, and I did. I mean, there for a while I thought, well, we'll see how long this lasts. I mean, surely he can be kind, you know. Anybody can be kind for a couple of months, and then a couple of months turned into six, and then six turned into a year. And after that long of the patterns of behavior and the chains being broken from all of the things that he had struggled with in the past, I mean, I saw that over time, and it made a huge difference in how I viewed him. And I realized at that point, okay, this is no longer acting This is God truly transforming him, and he truly is a new creation. So for the stander or the prodigal who has maybe uttered the words that their partner is not capable of changing, uh, is there any truth to that? No. Um, Really, I, I, I used to say that about... Tommy. I used to say, you know, God can change anyone, but he can't change Tommy. And when you do that, you truly do limit um, the power of God. Um, you at that point... Well, you're, you're putting a limit. And I think we've said this before. We can't actually limit God's power. Yes. But we can express and we could... Um, we try to put him in a box. Yeah. And yeah. we try to limit him in our minds. Right. We right. try to limit his ability. And I think part of that is so important to understand that God can do anything. He has the power and ability to do anything. And I think it's at that point when God changes someone that you think is incapable of changing, that is how you know that it is the work of God. And for that, we should glorify God and say and recognize No one could have changed that man except God. All right. Um, Or woman, I should say. Or woman, yeah. Or woman, yeah. 
Um, how was it that the Lord was able to transfer or transform? I'm going to start. It's over. okay. How was it that the Lord was able to transform your personality and demeanor so as to not respond with fleshly anger? Interesting question. Yes. Uh, well, I, I think it was the internalization of a lot of the scripture that I had been uh, reading and uh, dwelling on, praying over, uh, because the transformation, it didn't come from myself, that's for sure. Uh, <laughs> there's nothing good I can vouch for that. deep down here <laughs> in my heart. Uh, so as, as to the change, that was just the indwelling of the Holy Spirit uh, molding and, and making me. Uh, and and uh, let's, let's pause there for just a second, because I do think it's really important that our listeners hear and know that Oftentimes, the harder you try to change your spouse and do it in your own power, the more it fails because you have to realize that it has to be the Holy Spirit. The that Holy Spirit hearts. has to do it. You Th- can't that's do that. That's absolutely right. And uh, the Holy Spirit was doing it in my life. And, uh, you know, for years, Amy prayed that I would change, that I wouldn't be so angry and harsh and cold and insensitive and uh, like a flood all those prayers uh, started to be answered but you were at a point where where you weren't ready (laughs) to receive the answers no Uh, but I you know I I, I'm not going to say well it was only because of those prayers but those prayers that you prayed God certainly heard because at that point he was he was listening and I was I was desiring to draw close to the Lord. Uh, draw nigh to the Lord and He will draw nigh to you, mm-hmm. I think is the way the, the verse goes. And so uh, the Lord wants to have an intimacy with you. And if you express that desire to Him, He's going to return it in kind. Oh, right. And so uh, that had a positive effect on on my heart and in my demeanor. And I was finding that I was uh, able to be much more patient than I was. And mm-hmm. I, I was focused on, you know, just, just living for the Lord and, and understanding that, you know, He's in control of all things and in His perfect timing, uh, our circumstances were changed. And w- once I st- stopped insisting that things had to be on my terms, mm-hmm. when I wanted them, how I wanted them, and just submitted to the Lord and understood that He's in control, and my job right now is to just be patient, serve him, and serve Amy while I wait. I think that made things a, a whole lot easier. Uh, Matthew 5, did you have something else you wanted to add to that? Uh, well, I, I do. Yeah, I mean, I think you, you said it well when you spoke to the relationship that we are to have with the Lord. You know, God created us a relational being. He desires a relationship with us. And if we don't make time for God and we can't have a, you know, a devoted relationship to him, how can we expect to have a devoted relationship to a husband or a wife um, or anyone for that matter? Mm -hmm. You you really can't. You have to God has to be first. first. He has to be first. It cannot be out of order. Right. That's a good point. 
Uh, well, we're going to wrap things up tonight, and I'd like to finish by reading a scripture, Matthew 5, 43 through 48, starting with verse 43. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Lord, once again, we thank you for this time. We pray that you will use this what was spoken today to challenge listeners to bring their words and deeds into alignment with your teaching. God, help us all to walk humbly and with grace so that the world may see a difference in our lives, only made possible through the power of the Holy Spirit. As we close our conversation, I ask that you go with, equip, and strengthen all those who are fighting to save their marriages. May you sustain them in this battle, and through the power of Christ, may you bring their prodigal spouses to a place of conviction. Lord, at some point we were all rebels running from you, but you demonstrated mercy, compassion, and long-suffering for each and every one of us. Remind us and everyone out there listening to strive to maintain the same spirit as we interact and engage with our prodigals. For all your grace and goodness, we thank you, Lord. Help us now to go out and live for you. In all our ways, may we acknowledge you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Purposed Marriage Podcast. We hope and pray it strengthens and further equips you to remain committed to your marriage no matter the condition or circumstances. For more information and links to resources from our ministry, be sure to follow us on social media and through our official blog at purposedmarriage.org. If you have questions about standing for your marriage and desire to learn more about how to live biblically, during times of trial and heartache, please reach out to us via email. Our address is purposedmarriage at gmail.com. Until our next broadcast, may God continue to strengthen and encourage as you pursue a Christ-honoring and purposed marriage.